We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. This is Kirk Henderson with another episode of Mavs Moneyball Live on the Locker Room app. If you're listening to our podcast version, you should really consider joining the Locker Room app and coming and hanging out with us. I'm trying to do these on a more regular basis, but with real work and life, etc., sometimes it's not as easy. Actually, I meant to start this thing about five minutes ago, but the problem was my dog refused to come inside. Now he is staring at me from the floor. Uh... I don't know about you guys, but uh, I am very frustrated following last night's loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, everybody that, uh, you know, follows me and pays attention to the Mavericks knows that uh, not only did I live tweet the game, I uh, wrote the recap for the game and then did a podcast with Josh Bow after the game where I was less than pleased. As <laughs> Rye notes in the chat that I'm still yelling. Yes, that was very much one of these games where... When I went to bed, it was like one fifteen East Coast time. I was a little, uh, you know, I'm tired. And, you know, when you're like me and you're just kind of grumpy as a as a nature, you, you wake up the next morning and, and you might not be as unhappy about things. Well, I woke up the next morning, this morning still pretty irritated. That game was a, a waste of Dallas's time and a waste of, of our times as fans. And then, you, you you know, you listen to the post-game comments where Rick Carlisle is pretty frustrated uh, and, and, you know, pretty irritated with the media uh, that we dare to uh, question their, their, you know, process and their strategy. Um, I'm being joined here up on stage by Grant. What's up, Grant? Hey, what's up, buddy? Ugh. You know, still still salty. It's one thirty in the afternoon, and I'm I'm already I'm just done with all this. But what uh, what, uh, what made you salty? Was it was it Bobby, Colley Stein, Powell, Burke, and Johnson combining for three of fifteen, or was it Josh Green getting two minutes? I would probably have to say the former. Uh, Josh Green may or may not be able to play basketball, but I would at least like to see him try and fail. The the watching, you know, the James Johnson minutes have grown really, really bad. Like he's either fine or he's absolutely unwatchable. the The play that sticks out in my mind and Poku drove past him. Missed the layup and then got the <laughs> offensive rebound and laid it in, all because Johnson couldn't recover fast enough. And I get Poku's like, you know, I described you're too young for this, but there was this weird Spielberg movie called AI uh, uh, that, and at the end of it, there are these like lanky aliens, and he looks like one of those. You know, it's like like very like Slenderman vibes for Poku, uh, but it's just you know like it's a lack of effort, and and effort is the one thing this team should be able to. Uh, should be able to do something with, and and they 
approached that game where they got beat by 16 points in the four, in the first quarter and simply never recovered. So, so I'm not really sure what to do with them at the moment. You said uh, Josh Green may or may not be able to play basketball. Uh, the, the five guys I named after watching them for uh, most of them for two years and a few of them for longer, I, I know that they uh, can't play basketball. You know, the Thunder have six players on that team last night that played that have been in the league for less than two years. Oh yeah, they had an entire Hope lineup in the one G point. League last week. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's not been—he's he played well in the G League, but he hasn't been playing well as a Oklahoma City Thunder all year. He he had a breakout game against us, and that that's pretty wild. And it's you know at Mavs Moneyball, we took a lot of heat. Uh, our our staff did for being high on Poku, and. I don't even know if that was a good Poku game, but like the sort of chaos that he brought, yeah. he was allowed to play through it. Yeah. And and that's kind of, you know, like Carl talked about how, well, we played, we were playing to win the game. Well, if you're playing to win the game, you don't sit Luka Doncic and you don't sit Chris Porzingis. Yeah. So there's some bullshittery going on between either the front office and, and, and Carlisle, or they're, they're just, you know, they think they're a much better team than they than they really are, and I don't know which one it is at the moment. Yeah, it's it's demoralizing. Like if I'm if I'm Tyler Bay and Josh Green and I'm seeing what I saw last night, last night was absolutely the worst example of it. I don't think that the, that five man like combo has had a worse game, but it, they've definitely not made me go wow. Besides the one James Johnson game every now and then where I'm like wow. Like Willie Colley signed at zero points and still managed to somehow play twenty minutes. It just it does not make sense to me. Well, and if you go to NBA.com and look up sort of like individual stats where they show the videos of things, uh, Willie's two shots are just so magical. They're so horrendous. He starts off the first one with like a fifteen foot turnaround, like the crap that he does in his terrible videos from the summer, and then the second was that three pointer. And I use the photo where he's hanging the follow through for some reason on my recap because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I like I wish Willie was better, but it, it, it sort of is what it is. I, I just don't understand why. What's the point of having different dudes if you're just going to roll out the same lineups? You know, we our guy Jordan Brodess mentioned in our uh, uh, Mavs Moneyball Slack channel, you know, if your goal is to rest Luca and KP fine. But then well, what good does it do if the rest of your roster gets ground to dust where the Mavericks played, you know, seven to nine guys? They played uh, three guys at least 35 minutes each in a loss where they were down by 15 points for huge chunks of the game. So I just don't – I don't understand who they think they are. Um, and one more thing, like Josh Richardson, uh, Tim Hardaway, and – uh, Jalen Brunson played outstanding, and it sucks to see them play. It's, it's like Josh Richardson. This is probably his best game since the Clippers game, but it doesn't matter because we lost. Because we couldn't like when those three guys are having great games, but you know we have huge dead weights like holding us back, shooting three of fifteen. It's impossible for us to like. It's impossible for him to like accept that he had a great game, but like at the same time we lost. Yeah, yeah. Well, so in the chat, Taylor Beatles asks uh, a question that I think is, is, is fun. If the Thunder and the Mavs switch rosters, minus Luka, the Mavs would be a top four seed, right? The team building disasters were just on full display last night, considering Dallas could have had a number of those guys. I don't yeah. know if, I don't know if I'd go that far, but it, it's, it's something to be said that the Thunder all play really, really hard. And the Mavericks play and really behave kind of institutionally like a team that's better than the record. And I, I guess part of me wants to play, you know, wants to give them a little bit of, of understanding and say, all right, you know, they've been wrecked by COVID. They've had some bad luck. Maybe they are better than the record. But at a certain point, the, the record is what matters. So, so essentially deciding to take an L last night, which was one of the options that, that seemed to be the case when you sit Luca and KP, or if they think that the guys that they had were good enough to steal a victory, it just seems kind of like a needless gamble when they're at the eight seed already. I, I, I just yeah. don't know that their Thunder roster was really fun. You know, Maladon was there for the Mavericks to take uh, at, at, at both picks and, and they didn't. And and Theo just looked really re- like he looked better than Willie Call or not Willie uh, Dorian Finney Smith, which might be a little bit of, of an overstatement, but it's the guy's young. Well, he's he's had a a good year too. 
And that's just that's that's just crazy to me that it's somehow this complicated for the Mavericks um, being able being Blue able Dort. to ask this. Um, guy who could have had Lou Dort. If you have a guy like Lou Dort, it's really like it, it makes the defense like feel like you know they're going to play well. The whole team defense. We don't we don't have that guy. You know we have Dodo, but he's I love Dodo, but he's no Lou Dort. And 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 the game kind of felt like it was going south when Dort hit. I think it was four of seven from three. And when that sort of thing happens, that's yeah. hard to overcome. Then the Mavericks miss just enough free throws all from their, you know, really their veteran kind of their, their core rotation pieces that were getting a chance to shine. That was, that was very disappointing. Um, the, it was, it's just really, you know, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's very, it's very frustrating. So, so in the, in the chat, Austin Sims asks, you know, lost one of the worst rosters in the league. See, the thing is, I, I don't think that the Thunder are one of the worst rosters. They're one of the youngest rosters. But yeah. if you give your talented or at least inexperienced guys a chance to play, you don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, what a concept. Sure. Oh, it's, I mean, it's wild. If if you, you know, I'm not sure how old you were in 2004. Yeah, when 2003-04. When Okay, so in 0304, Josh Green or not Josh Green, Josh Howard, Josh Howard yeah. and Mar- Marquise Daniels forced their way into a talented Mavs lineup. If you go look at that that roster at the time, it had some dudes. It had some names at least. I mean, Antoine Jameson was coming off the bench for that team, I believe, and, and he's a Hall of Famer. And and it's it's wild what happens when you give guys that have the ability to play basketball. Uh, opportunities. Uh, they can't be any worse than some of the guys that we've seen, but then that sort of rolls into the direct question of, you know, can these guys play? And uh, Rick's and only two of the rookies were there, which, I mean, as Josh Green, obviously was, was, uh, was, was it Bay or was it? Um, uh, Terry was listed as out before the game. So, so I Terry was not there because he yeah. was sick. And, and so I'm just, let's just assume it's Bay. It doesn't really matter who it was. But look, uh, those are like the two positions and the type of style they play. That's exactly what we need. Bay, when he came in against Houston, uh, yeah, Houston, he got two, he forced DeMarcus Cousins to turn it over twice after DeMarcus Cousins had the best game he's had in years. Uh, and and he, he got a couple offensive boards and, and had a putback. So, I mean, these, these are the type of energy players that we need to be, you know, testing out the waters with. Not, you know, players we've seen for two years now just kind of go through the motions. Well, and, and I took... You know, friend of the show, Mav, Mavs employee, you know, Bobby Corrala basically got on me a little bit two nights ago for being kind of hypercritical of Dorian Finney-Smith, where he's, he said, you know, you're, you're laying on him too much for being you're like you, you use that he was undrafted as kind of an insult. And I don't mean to. I mean to use it as a point of reference to where expecting at a certain point, expecting a, a undrafted small forward to guard the best guys in the league becomes an unreasonable ask. It's not his fault. No, uh, yeah. he, even if he should have been a draft pick, I don't really care. He's shown that he belongs in the NBA, yes. But the Mavericks expect they, they assign too much responsibility to him, and then that shit all flows downhill whenever it doesn't work out that the way the Mavericks want to. I just don't see what you know playing green out there would have would have you know hurt because the Mavericks weren't hitting any shots in the first two quarters. Uh, you know, yeah, Green missed two shots in under two minutes, and one of them was a horrendous drive. Yeah, it was and, really bad. <laughs> and and really I, bad. I I I want to be clear here that I on on the one hand, I absolutely do not think Josh Green can play basketball. <laughs> like that that's kind of my position. But I also don't think James Johnson can play basketball. So I think, I think James Johnson checked out months ago. Like I. I I know James Johnson's good. I've seen him play well. I've seen him be productive. But he went like nine DMPs in a row or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be, I'd be, I would check out too. Like it's, it's crazy. <sighs> yeah, I mean, and and it's it's just one of those games where we're gonna. I, I hope the Dallas doesn't look back on this game and and really think that it. This is is. Is a it's a continuation of what I believe I saw in the bubble last year, where the Mavericks went three and five. They should have gone six and two, and they mm-hmm. seeded some games, and they ended up playing the Clippers. And I don't like this notion of seeding games to get to just try to make it to the playoffs, and and 
I, I want them to be as good a team as they can be. And often I feel they are, I, I get looking at the long term, but they're not quite good. I mean, they're definitely not quite good enough to be, to, to establish this long-term planning because look at who they play next. I, I believe they go Denver, LA, LA, Portland, Portland. That's yeah. Yep. So, well, let's go to the chat here and see what, uh, what else anybody, what else anybody else is, is, is saying out here. Does is, would anybody like to join us up here on stage and ask a question? Cause it's, uh, you know, just Grant and I hanging out right now. Um. Oh yeah. Also, the two Josh Green minutes. Uh, maybe someone else could back check this, but I'm I'm almost certain that they were next to Bobby. So I mean, yeah. I'm also not, and that's also like uh, you're hindering your other four guys on the on the court by having him out there. You're definitely Absolutely. not going to get a fair shake at looking at Josh Green if Bobby's out there. It, it kills me every time I see it. So I'm gonna invite. So we're having Jesse join us up here on stage. Jesse, how are you? Jesse, you're on mute. There we are. Hey guys. How you doing? Good. What could we do for you today? I just wanted to say, like, I think if we're going to punt a game like that, and obviously you're having both your stars, it's a scheduled loss. Let the rookies play. There's no reason why Josh Green has two minutes. There's no reason why Tyler Bay doesn't play. Let them build on that momentum coming from the G League. I understand Tyler Terry couldn't play because he was injured with the illness, but, um, you know, and I think he should definitely get – uh, Burke's minutes. I mean, Burke has been really non-existent. I was against getting signing him to a new deal. I knew that was going to be fool's gold after the bubble. Burke has always been a super inconsistent player. So I just I think we need to, we're we're going to have ten back to backs in the second half. We absolutely need to get these rookies up to speed. And we're not. I mean, we're missing opportunities here. I'm usually not very critical of Carlisle. But I do think that he is hindering the long-term growth of this team right now. Without, and I, granted, they just got done with G League. Maybe he'll get them up to speed and then play them. Maybe it was a little too early to do that. But I don't think there's really any excuse for Green that has already started on this team to only have two. I mean, I couldn't agree more because they they not only lost the game, they lost the opportunity. And, and, and opportunity cost is a real, is a real thing, particularly when it comes to, to development. Every game from now on out is, is going to, you know, every game matters. It really does. And I know that they're, they're particularly as you get fewer and fewer opportunities and the, these next five games that we just mentioned, I don't see any of these rookies getting in unless it somehow is like a blowout in one way or another. And after the game, Rick was so disdainful of Tim Cato's question where, you know, he just Cato essentially said, you know, do you wish that you could have gotten the rookies any more run? And he said, well, I did get the rookies run. It's like, you played the guy for two minutes. He's not going to get in any flow when he plays for two minutes. And that sort of, of thing ends up being really frustrating for, <clears throat> for the rest of us, because uh, I, I want to say, yeah, it's, it's our friend Gabriel here in the chat says, you know, I, I don't really love, I'm not really one to be, you know, particularly critical of Carlisle, but this this really stinks. And I think that's kind of the best way, best way to phrase it because you you come off an All Star break where you're riding a four game, you're riding a three three game win streak. You win a big game over the Suns where Luca and KP look like they have at the same time in a way they haven't this year, uh, and really, you know, I'm honestly going back to to potentially, you know, before. Um, I want to, uh, the game that comes to mind for me was like the Pistons game in Mexico City last year, where they, where they just detonated together, yeah. and and you're, you're, everybody's. I was riding high, I was feeling great. I you know I was arguing with people over nonsense. You know that's like it's always fun when you can like get into the minutia. Instead, you know we we instead of the Mavericks fall to one and five on the tail or on 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 the tail. I think it's one and five on the tail end of back and backs, uh, back to backs, and and kind of. It feels like a, a loss where you're questioning the, the direction of, of what they hope to do, despite the fact that they've won 10 of 13 now. Yeah. Um, you said Suns. I know you meant Spurs, though. Um, yeah, I did. Sorry. Whoops. <laughs> you're good. So another another thing real quick about, about Josh Green is, yeah, he might not be able to get in a flow offensively. He might not know the system. He's not going to learn that unless he plays. But also, they're at the like at the very, very least, 
he knows how to play defense. Like, mm-hmm. that he can get you some stops. And we desperately, desperately needed them yesterday. Yeah, Josh, I mean, in the games that Josh Green started, he, like, yeah, he didn't really score, but he was still, like, a plus 14, a plus 17, a plus 12. Like, he was making an impact on the on the team. And he sets, like, amazing screens. And I, uh, all the other things, his cuts are great. It's just a matter of time before he gets in rhythm with his offense. But exactly. he's not going to be able to do it when he's – you know, when he was starting, he was playing with – let's just face it, he was playing with poor quality players and – they're expecting him to do too much. But if he's on a team with, you know, a lot of, you know, quality role players that know what they need to do and can, can communicate with him, I think he's going to be a really good serviceable player. I mean, if we're if we're giving uh, Richardson, you know, all these games where he's not shooting very particularly well and scoring 12 points a game and, and uh, having lackluster defense, why not give it to Josh Green at that point? Like, give him some of his minutes. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I I just kind of – I hate being disheartened like this after being so high. I mean, that's the whole point of, of fandom in some respects. But I still don't feel like I know who this team is in any real functional way because the pieces fit together just so, and then they they, they establish some, some momentum in a real way against the Spurs and then get the rug pulled out of them because of predetermined rest – and you know this had to be that that kind of organizational decision. You know, I was seeing a lot on my Twitter timeline about this being on Rick. Well, Rick doesn't get that say. Like that's a medical team, a front off. That's a that's a group decision. And and particularly with both Luca and KP, where Luca always wants to play basketball, and KP has to be protected from himself. I just you know it's hard to build momentum and it's hard to build rhythm. If you're constantly getting jerked around like this, and I know this is a season unlike any other, but this also doesn't get any easier. So the the notion of not, you know, Luca would have if Luca played that game, they win that game because he's the best player on that court by far. Despite how much I like uh, Shea, Shea Gillius Alexander, and and it just it, it ends up being one of these things where it, you from a, if if you're if you're peeling it back. You know, Nick uh, of Locked on Mavs got, like, murdered for this on Twitter last night. Like, I understand where the Mavs are coming from, too. I just don't particularly care because I'm not watching for the long term. I'm watching for the right now. If I'm going to stay up at 9 o'clock on an East Coast time uh, uh, and watch a game like that, I'd like to see an actual basketball game, which for chunks of it, you know, the Mavericks weren't awake in the first quarter. So, so they're, they're, it, it, this is just one of these things that I, I really don't don't love, and I find myself uh, very frustrated af- after that loss. So I'm going to invite uh, Brian uh, Zillum here up on stage. Brian, we, still Brian, chance, we still had a chance to win it. Like, in the very end, we still almost had it. It's true. Guys, happy Friday. Um, great, great points y'all have been bringing up. Uh, Kurt, I did have, like, one question, though. Like, Carlisle may have not had control over, like, the rest situation, but he does have control over who's playing, correct? Mm-hmm. So, we this was probably, looking at the schedule, probably, like, the best opportunity for these guys, supposedly, to get some run, unless there's, like, some massive blowout game. I mean, maybe Minnesota, the 24th, but, I mean, even with KP and Luka, the Mavericks had to kind of fit and fart around with them and only still barely win by, I think it was like eight points. They won by like, if it was double digits, it was like barely because the Mavs actually had to try the last three minutes. So I'm just very confused on what was the point of bringing everybody back up? If it's like, Hey, just kidding. We're actually not going to play these guys. That is a a tough one. They they had a whole, yeah, they, they had a, whole all-star break to get these guys you know and they've had some time to get ready to come back I mean I I kind of understand the Tyler Bay thing because he really hasn't played with the main team but the Josh Green thing another thing like and I wrote an article about this is like we still don't like you were saying we still don't know who this team is like that's literally the title and it's just like I just think that we have not seen this full team every time that we get some sort of good momentum it they cut it off somehow there's either a break somebody gets injured quote unquote or they they do you know rest people uh i just want to see what this team really is and i think that we keep on on shooting ourselves well there's a lot of institutional hubris that goes on here and 
I think for those of us that have been fans of the team for, for, you know, since Grant has, has only known Mark Cuban as an owner, uh, you know, that's really to a certain extent, you know, I moved to Dallas in 96. I only had a few years of the really rough, uh, uh, Perot years. And, you know, we've only kind of known this brash and forward facing Cuban and people just sort of accept it as, as okay the way Knicks fans know that like James Dolan is going to have to be thrown out of of Madison Square Garden you know once he sells the team they're they're never getting rid of him but the accept it's one thing to accept that Cuban is the way he is and that it's sort of an institutional thing but what I've never understood is just the defense of it where people and and other you know the the media of which I am a part will occasionally filter his things, his, the, the, the organi- organization's messages without any criticism. And the Mavericks, I, I understand they have more information than us, but at the end of the day, basketball as a sport is not near as complicated as we make it out to be. It's very hard to master. And there's a lot of things that go on with the professional sports league that I'm sure I don't understand, but I, you know, they're, they're three games above 500. So they set their stars and then it's, you know, you know, Cuban is on uh, uh, our friend, the step backs Mavs podcast explaining how low well, continuity is the way forward. And then Cuban is on first take talking about how the Mavs never have had cap space, which I, at that point I needed, like if, if there were bridges near my house, you would have had to, to be on, on, on like this search for me looking to jump off one. It's, <laughs> it, it's just the, the, the sheer, and and I know I really frustrate people with this, particularly on Twitter, because I know reading stuff is much different than hearing it. But I can't fathom buying the level of bullshit that comes out of this organization on a monthly or weekly basis to where it's just fine. I mean, Rick, like I'm assuming the four of us and really uh, the staff, anybody that's in this chat has had to have seen um, Carlisle's presser after the game. He seemed genuinely confused at Tim Cato's question about rookies. He said, and, yes. and it's, that sort of stuff belays either a, a a a kind of disconnect between what the overarching plan is between the coach and the front office, or just this overriding sense of hubris that we know yes. better in all things. And exactly. I don't like that. No. It's one or it's one or two. It's one of the two things you just named, and neither is good for fans or the Mavs. Well, and can I toss out like a, a Cowboys analogy here? Sure. I kind, of, I, I kind of feel like, you know how there's, when Garrett was here still in Dallas, right? Like Garrett would like, like a guy and coach him up, but then Jerry would draft whoever the hell he wanted because he was Jerry, right? So right. I feel like there's this disconnect here between what Rick is doing and what the front office is presenting to him. Because I, I will say again for the hundredth time, like, this what happened last night just solidifies what the hell was the point of this draft class. I I don't get it. I really don't get it at all. If like if Rick would just say, "Hey, Josh Green has been playing like crap in practice," just say that. Give us that satisfaction where it's like, okay, you're trying to work with them. They're just sitting there collecting dust, which just drives me nuts. You could have used those guys to get a guy like Norman Powell, like a guy that's functional and you could actually use in this lineup right now, like acknowledge that you're trying to work him through some stuff. Give me that. Give me some bullshit that I can like halfway talk myself through, but you're just let you're just like befuddled and like, Oh, well, like uh, he's not playing because he did. He didn't have a good two minutes. Rick, he played two minutes like next to Bobby. Next, Next to Bobby. Bobby, like, what the hell can he do in two minutes? Like, I, 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 I don't get it. it. It's just like super frustrating because there's like that layer of not. It, it's like we're trying to play telephone tag when all of you guys should be in the sink. Like, get your head out of your asses and figure it out. Well, I, I've heard some sort of. I, I get, you know, the the one. And I mean, this is positive. Anybody that wants to can send me a DM. I tend to answer just about everybody. I talk and chat with probably like 300 fans because people just send me stuff all the time uh, on Twitter. And and one of my, my favorite theories that was thrown out to me was that before Luca was drafted, Cuban had lost interest in the team as a thing that he hovered on. Um, and I... 
I really like that as a theory because we went through this period of years where plan after plan was pitched to us. Like, do you guys remember the dust chip and all that crap that, that got filtered through, through, and, and I mean, uh, Mike Fisher is my friend, but it got filtered through Fisher at DallasBasketball.com to where we're there. There's this idea and notion out there of what the Maverick can do, yada, yada. Uh, the Dallas basketball draft guy, uh, David Lord was always pitching interesting, crazy ideas. And there was just this, this by the and none of them worked <laughs> from like 2012 on and then the you know we bottomed out with Harrison Barnes and anybody that was was following me on July 4th 2016 when they signed Harrison Barnes I really recommend like going and searching my tweets for that like three-day period where I'm just like losing my mind because I I hated Harrison Barnes as an idea I mean love like he's an awesome dude but the, there's just so much failure that gets hand-waved as okay and then they get Luca, who falls to their lap, and and you know they even they they even tried to shoot themselves out of Luca by that stupid Memphis game that that the Mavericks won the uh, that that screwed up their draft auto lods, and, the and yeah, the solid game, and it's just there's so many reasons and excuses for why things don't work. So when you do get luck on your side, which is you know three teams passing on Luca. And he becoming a maverick, the 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 litany of excuses starts to grow thin. And I will say that I I, I you know we've not talked about Porzingis yet, which we really probably should because he was outstanding in that game. But he also had that like preposterously uh, it wasn't preposterous. I'm being unfair. I didn't love his his Snapchat answer or whatever that was on his Instagram story. Oh, about, like, good what? God! What and the hell and was that? You, you the Mavericks go get this guy who has you know. He has just a vision of himself, like, very, like just gives me, like, high-key Regina George vibes, where it's just, like, there's a different, like, reality that surrounds Porzingis. I get why they traded for him. It was a, it, it was a good idea. But so far, the returns are not near as good as we're being told they are, um, as evidenced by the fact that after starting 16-6 and six in the 2019-20 the season, the Mavericks have basically played 500 basketball for going on... Roughly eighty to ninety, a hundred games. I, I think is is kind of the gist. So so it's just that I'm being I'm just tired of hearing how we are how we're not being patient or we're not right. And you know the Mavs fans are just yada yada yada. And 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 I don't know. This team should be better than it is. And and there are some outside things which aren't their fault. But I also can't help but think that we're we're kind of being told that we're dumb just often enough. I was going to throw out another analogy here, Turk. You know, I'm sure you've taken your kiddo uh, prior to COVID to many of a restaurant where there's the uh, colorful map he's given uh, from the uh, waitress and he's given the crayon. And I'm sure at some point he's like getting to the maze. Like the thing is, this, (laughs) this front office and coaching staff is not getting to the maze. Your your son is drawing out out of the lines, but he's getting to the maze. They're just like, er, 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 like, hey, we know what we're doing. Like, I that's a very just to toss out your, your bigger hubris in us is kind of like insulting in a way. Like, I, you don't want to insult. Like, again, we're not there, and they are smarter than us to a degree. But just stop feeding us BS, man. Like, be honest and upfront with us. Yeah, no disrespect, Brian. Uh, sorry, Jesse, but no disrespect, Brian. I think uh, I think I'm smarter than them. Well, well, you do want to trade Triple J for or Luca for Triple J, so <laughs> go, let's do it. I I I don't know because it's when you get two hits like Dirk Nowitzki and Luka Doncic that arguably makes up for so much. And and makes me feel like a bit of an ass for 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 wanting more when you're looking at big picture, but then you you know you remember I, I think this is the third straight locker room I brought him up uh, uh, Israeli hero Gal Mekel who was signed to a three year deal for some reason and that guy was never an NBA player I I just don't entirely understand the 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 idea that we have to stick to this to this plan and and. But while at the same time, it, the, the plan doesn't seem to be 
the plan seems to be, you know, Luca, like hope that Luca saves you. And, you know, the, the, the Porzingis stuff is, is frustrating, but I, I, they, they need to kind of find a way through that. I would have really loved to see Porzingis play last night just so he could keep his momentum going. Um, yeah, the Mavs and, are like, it, sorry, the Mavs are like no. the CEO of like signing players three year deals that don't deserve it, and then like saying get when they finally have an option to get a good player, uh, they're like, oh well, we can only give you two years. It's like okay, you gave Burke a three year deal, but you don't want to give, um, you know, you don't want to give Crowder a three year deal. You don't want to chase the Christian Wood who's been amazing and give no. him a longer contract. It's like. I don't know what they're doing here. They have these like sort of guys and then they fall in love and then they completely. Well, we'll see where they're going to go because if they don't do anything in this deadline, then they're going to walk into the off season with a ton of potential cap space. And as we know, cap space has a hung Jersey at, at the American airlines center, because for the past 10 years, cap space has really been the only thing that's there for us off season after off season. Not according um, to, not according to the owner though. Yeah, never had. Well, it. he was talking about Dirk's prime, but the fact yeah, that he didn't, true. he he didn't. And I, I'm I'm being unfair there. He didn't talk about how, at least in the rest of that clip, how that they just simply failed on their pitches, and he was a big part of that. The the you know Darren Williams said so on the all on that podcast uh, last week. I want to read you guys um, the both the question and the answer from Porzingis, and then I think we should talk about it for a minute on Porzingis's Instagram. He said, uh, someone asked him, are you going to start playing in the paint more? Less threes would be nice. His response was, you understand I'm playing within a system. I'm willing to do what's best for the team if it means creating space and driving lanes for my teammates. By stretching the floor, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm trying to be as efficient as, efficient as I can be for this team to win more games. So, Grant, what do you think about that? Um, I think he is 100% right. The problem is we don't really, sometimes we don't really put the guys that need to be around him, around him when he, when he's doing like, like he's talking about creating cuts. Uh, some of Porzingis' best games before the Spurs game were when Josh Green was the starting center or power forward. And he's an excellent cutter. He was great at getting to the rim. Luca, JB, Tim are, are, Tim has had such great dunks this year in yeah. he's getting to the rim. But when you're but when you're putting Porzingis next to like uh, he doesn't really get put next to Willie anymore. But when you're putting him next to Maxi, who is not really a shell of himself, but he's not he's not exactly who he was. I mean, it, it's I, I it's tough. It's tough. I really like what, what THJ has done this year, though. Like the fact that he's getting to the room. He was not one of his worst uh, qualities was that he couldn't finish at the rim. Uh, the last two years, but this year he's really finishing at the rim. He's getting yams now. Like it, you, you really notice yeah. that he's skilled from that um, lower leg, that leg injury that he dealt with. Uh, he seems like he's got a lot more spring in his step and he's having less games where he's a bad shooter. He's starting to get some things together. Now he's a little inconsistent for sure. And he'll have over 12 games, but then he'll have 11 for 13 games. It's just, I like what he's doing. I think he probably deserves a contract that is close to what he's. So I have a question. Was that like a couple hours before the game? Yes. Yeah. It's 20 okay. hours ago because yeah. so it's still I, on his Instagram feed. I, I have like two, I have two problems with that. Like one, why are you live tweeting like right before a game? Like that just, Mm, I, I'm it was not, not playing. It was already announced. It was already announced. He wasn't playing too. Yeah. Like, uh, he knew he wasn't playing. Uh, mm. See, I, I'm not, I'm not down with taking QAs. Like, you know, at least don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not on a game day. That, that to me is not a good look. And then I don't know if I like him. Just, just the answer that he provided is correct. I would have maybe positioned it in a different way, but it's just like, dude, uh, I, I don't know, because we've already seen him posting posting up a pool shots like on days he's like DMPing because his back hurts. So just like, it, like, don't put like perception is reality is what I'm trying to go with that. Hopefully that makes sense to everybody. Just he he has a habit of that doing that, and Luca's not doing this on his day off, by the way. So just want to point that out. I. I'm- Porzingis's answer is, I, I gotta, I gotta give the man some respect. He has 
incredible, either media training or media savvy in the sense that he is able to say things without saying them. Um, That answer very much reminded me of when I piss off my wife (laughs) and her response is I'm not mad, but she's, but she says she's mad with her eyes, you know, and I really, I, 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 I think his answer was, was good and honest. And I appreciate that he wants more. I guess what I would love to understand from him is what he thinks more means because uh, something Jonathan Chark said to me last year uh, towards the tail end of the season has really stuck with me that what superstar and even mid-level players want in the NBA is probably the most under discussed thing. And what Porzingis wants to do is something I, I, I want to hear more about because if you were to go, uh, I got into an argument with Mavs draft after the, after the game that Porzingis hasn't been playing how he played that game. And I will stick to my guns on this one because uh, over the previous 12 games, he had four shots at the rim per game, 3.8. And in that game he had eight and he was running at the rim. He was cutting. He was diving. He wasn't just a stationary figure. That might not always be his his call because sometimes the the offense calls for him to be you know essentially a gravity uh, like a, a pull on the defense in a gra- in a gravity way. But I would love to see athletic Porzingis. Do you remember that that late oop that Luca threw to him where it was like a late dive after Luca had been kind of finessing in the lane and he threw it like at the top of the backboard and Porzingis's big ass goes and jumps up and dunks it and like I was in my chair like yelling. Because he hasn't done that very much this season for whatever yeah. reason. And you're I, talking I, about the one where Luca's like went in between three guys and threw it's like ball faking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and it was that a late nice. that that was so cool. And granted, it was kind of a busted play, but that you know it's an off like that's within the the frame of their offense. And so I'm really wondering what more he wants to do. They do post him up. His post ups have really evened out to where the last time I checked, he was at 1.04 points per possession, which for volume, he's actually kind of in the, he's pretty good, but a 1.04 point per possession is not, you know, it's not great. It's not horrible, but the Mavericks offense was more efficient last year. So I just can't help but thinking like, I want to know what he thinks they should be doing differently. You know, the, he hit that, he hit that three at the top of the key off the Luca pick and pop. Uh, that was kind of a game sealer. And Josh Bowe said, you know, the Mavericks should be in 12 points a game just out of that. Like, and, but instead what, what happens is KP gets the ball and he pulls Carmelo Anthony jab step crap. And then he goes left to nowhere. And then he shoots like a 17 footer or he passes a ball. Am I, am I being ridiculous with this? I know Rye who's in the chat probably wants to like stab me through the phone because I'm being <laughs> critical of Porzingis, but, but what do we think? I think you're, okay. uh, I think you're hundred percent right. Although the, it's a, it's kind of, you're kind of like saying it at the wrong time because that Spurs <laughs> game was the best KP Luka game we've since, seen since, like you said. Like, but I'm like, asking, why can't I don't we think see more that of that? Back. That's what I like. Why, why can't yeah. we see more of that? He, he was hyper well, efficient that game. Kirk, we can't see more of that because we keep benching them on the <laughs> second night of back to back. Well, apparently I'm just the asshole here, but that's not, no, you know. No, no, I, I agree with everything you said is, is right, yeah. But it's just like, you know, it's just a it's a poor example to say that now after they, you know, went out and dominated the Spurs. And with the way the Nuggets are playing, I, I, I expect them to do the same thing on uh, tomorrow. Like, I expect those two to have a good a good run at it tomorrow, too. I just, I just really liked what Porzingis was able to do on the boards and the, yes. like against a lot of, you know, he was, he was really getting offensive boards. He was overpowering players. Obviously, you know, Jakob Pertl is a really good defender. Uh, his advanced stats are really great. Um, but they don't necessarily have a huge rebounding presence there, but he was, he showed why he was the better center. And if he continues to play like that, man. I mean, that just unlocks in a totally different level that we haven't seen on this team in a, since Tyson. I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was the most fun I've had watching KP since the bubble. Uh, he was pretty good against the Pacers earlier in the year. But I really like what you, you made. A, you made a statement about offensive rebounding. And if you were to check game logs with him, 
the Mavericks are something like like seven and two when he gets like three offensive rebounds, and then when he gets ten or more boards, they're like eight. They're eight and two. Um, his rebound is, is, is very important because they're just they're not a great rebounding team. Uh, Maxie's really falling off there. You'll see Tim Hardaway go like three games in a row without grabbing a rebound. You know, it's basically Luca and then Dorian, who's a pretty consistent guy. And I, I, I know that that it's uh, I've talked with people that explain this to me that the the offensive rebounding in the NBA has kind of gone away for strategic purposes because as we've all seen, the Mavs can't guard anybody in transition. Well. If, if they're not going to guard anybody in transition, then let's send two guys at the rim for offensive rebounding. Because I love seeing, like, KB had one in that Spurs game where he not only had it, un- like, he got the offensive rebound, but he was basically under the backboard and then powers up through dudes for a layup. And, I like, he just, it was awesome. It's it's what, using his height in a way that he he hasn't had the opportunity to. And I'm wondering if it's, if it's you know, there's there's got to be some some kind of marriage between scheme and also how he feels like playing, because if they're telling them, all right, don't crash the offensive boards because we're going to get crushed by these guys in transition. I guess I get that, but having watched this team for for this you know kind of specific iteration going back in the last year, they weren't able to guard anyone in transition earlier. So I, I just would like to see it more. Was that like the because he he hadn't played in a game in how long? Was it like ten days? Right in the first game. Well, he played against the so so the they he was in the Thunder he game. The Magic. He, he and he played against the Thunder too. Um, KP did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And they won that game because the Thunder was the last game, and so it was basically an eight day break. And so that was that. And then yeah, eight days between the games. Mm. Yeah, the Mavs are twenty fourth in total rebounds per game in the NBA. That's. Ooh. Ooh. Kenny was right. Don't nobody tell him, okay? Nobody tell Kenny that he was right about rebounding. He will yeah, never he right now. <laughs> and the biggest thing, like I, I go through on my pod like all of the you know stats for the game or whatever, and it, it we usually have around the same rebounds. We just get out offensive rebounded way more yeah, than the other. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it always that, seems to happen in the fourth, like when it when we need to get that board the most. It always seems to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, you know, it, isn't it stupid to be this kind of whiny about a team that's somehow two games above 500? So, so no, it's not. No, it's not. It's no, not? Okay. Because we could be yeah, much I'm... better, and we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. Like, we've won, what, like uh, 11 of 15 or something like that, 12 of 15? Uh, 12 I mean, of 16 now, I think. 12, but, yeah. yeah, 12 of 16, so. I mean, we're playing good basketball, but seriously, there's so many games this year. We could have had maybe five or six more wins had we just not made bad decisions. I feel less bad about the Bulls game with how they played. Which one? Because the Bulls are like 16 and 19. Both of them. Because the Bulls are 16 and 19 and have like three dudes that, that our entire fan base like is thirsty as hell after. So... You know, it's. I feel less bad about those games, but I agree with you. I agree with you about these wins. So, so we're going to be joined by by Ethan Simons. Oh nope, I missed the button right before I uh, pressed it. So, Ethan, what's going on? Kirk, thanks for thanks for having me up. I'm. Uh, I just wanted to come up because I was listening to a podcast uh, early this morning. I do occasionally still listen to pods when I'm not on locker room, but. Um, but I, I was. I'm, I'm curious what y'all's takes are. I was listening to some people doing a trade deadline preview. They talked about the Mavs, and you know the Mavs have a few different ways they could go. Right, like they could, they could sit tight and just say, "Look, we're pro- we're not going to really contend this year. Let's just ride it out. We've got cap space. We can figure it out in the summer." Um, mm. They could they could try for for, you know, a, a marginal upgrade without compromising their cap space too much. They could, I mean, realistically, they have the they have room under the luxury tax. They could take back a little more salary than they give out. They could also take on, you know, they could say, you know what, Giannis is, Giannis is gone. We're not super high on Oladipo. We can take on some money in future years because we don't really think there's a great target for it this summer. And then lastly, they could try to take a flyer on a guy like, not really a flyer, but they could try to go after a guy like 
John Collins or someone, be a little more aggressive, someone who's going to be restricted, that they have a decent shot of retaining long-term. But, I mean, from where you're sitting, I guess what do you think? What approach do you think the Mavs will take at the deadline? And what do you think they should do? And do, yeah. you, do you think those things are the same? <laughs> okay, so I, 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 we're 45 minutes into this, and anybody that is still listening at this point will, will – because I'll throw this up as a podcast later – is really only the hardest core fans among us. Everybody that knows me knows I'm not a sources guy because that game is too chaotic and upsetting. But I do know a lot of people that, that do this for a living – um, and I've told, I have been told that the Mavericks have attempted to hunt around for something John Collins related, but you know, it's, I don't see the Hawks doing business with Matt, with the Mavericks like ever again. Um, you know, cause if I'm sure, at least well with the current leadership, cause there's just no winning for them. Like it's, it's very that. So, so that one for me is at least, I don't see it as possible, but I, I kind of want to punt to, 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 you know, uh, some other, some other of us who are up here on stage, because I will say that trades and that sort of thing are easily my weakest option. Um, uh, it makes Dalton who I hope I think is still in the chat, like angry with me because Dalton will, you know, he'll just pitch like great ideas. And then Tyler of Mad Twitter will do the same thing. And I'm just like, I don't know. Cause I don't know what I'm doing here. So, so Grant, what do you think? Why don't you go first? Uh, so, uh, the only way I see us getting Collins is if we take on another bad contract, like you were saying, Ethan. Um, it would probably be that that awful Gallinari deal, which I would still do for John Collins. Um, I, I, this is not a trade thing. Look, first off, if we somehow can get rid of the Dwight Powell contract for an expiring deal, I will never, ever, 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 ever say anything bad about about. <laughs> but uh, I think I think the most realistic. And the way we're going to end up going is we're going to just ride it out and then go into this off season with as much cap space as we can. And, you know, I want Rashawn Holmes, uh, but there's also like, there's also the poison pill contract option, which we could throw at uh, John Collins, which, you know, since they fired Lloyd Pierce, they're three and oh, and Collins is playing well. So I don't even see why they would let him go. Uh, you could throw a poison pill at Lonzo, which I like that idea a lot. But, uh, yeah, as far as this trade deadline, I don't think we're going to do anything at all. Ryan, why don't you go next? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked, Kirk. I, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen the Jeremy Grant scuttlebutt going around today. So I wanted to get a little crazy. We've got a nice little three-team deal here involving the Pistons, the Hawks, and the Mavericks. So we have Bogdanovich and Collins coming to Dallas. We are, we're sending away Tim Hardaway Jr. to the Hawks. The Hawks are acquiring Jeremy Grant, and then the Mavericks are sending two second-round picks to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's sending their first this year, the OKC first next year, Cam Radish, Chris Dunn, and then we're also sending Jalen Brunson to uh, Detroit. Boom. No, not at all. Sorry. No. <laughs> not touching That's, my John Collins. Uh, or you're not touching Charlie. my uh, Jalen Brunson. Brian is the Charlie Day meme with the uh, chart with all the conspiracy theories in the back. That was a very elaborate and impressive. Kirk, I have to just chime in here and say that uh, I appreciate you uh, confirming John Collins to Dallas, by the way. That was uh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I think I, I don't actually like actively hate that trade for for any side. I mean, I, I'm I'm very skeptical about Jeremy Grant. I think there's actually Keith Smith was on locker room this morning, and he was talking about how, um, you know, Jeremy Grant. He said a lot of things when he went to Detroit about wanting to play for a black head coach and a black GM, and and being you know kind of liking the idea of committing to the the city of Detroit and being involved in the community. So if things stay south in Detroit for like the next year or two, I could see him see him moving. I don't know about this year, but in general, I don't hate that. What I will say kind of where I'm sitting is I actually think that the Mavs best shot at getting an impact player at any point in the future, in my mind. Did we lose you? To do, uh, to do something like, um, they're in a position to do something like what, uh, what Milwaukee did for Drew Holiday, sending out tons of picks and pick swaps 
and whatever young players they have that are attractive to grab, like maybe it is a Jeremy Grant in 18 months or something, um, you know, or in 12 months. I think that in my mind, they probably need to, to sit tight, which I know is something the Mavs do over and over and over again, <laughs> um, to, to grab that whoever that Drew Holiday is, who's kind of like that second tier, you know, all-star. Um, so I don't hate that trade, Brian, but yeah, I think my gut says they, that's probably what they should do. And that's probably what they will do. By what I want in the off season, I don't think we're going to make any trades that are going to do anything. I mean, Cuban said, I mean, Cuban says a lot of things, but he said that unless it's a big deal, uh, they're not going to do anything. I don't, see them doing anything just because I don't think that there's anything good there unless something just shows up where it's like somebody's really unhappy they want to get off but um, the thing for me is off season wise I would just be happy with uh, signing in Norman Powell and Rashawn Holmes and yes. and just getting the rest of our guys back and running it back like we didn't really have a real off season this would be the first off season where Luca KP are having a training camp together, a real offseason where uh, KP's not injured. You have Jay Rich, who didn't really get an offseason, to really learn the system as well as maybe he should or find his rhythm in there. I mean, I think that staying pat, adding some um, good you know, options, and either re-signing Hardaway or getting a Norman Powell in that position, I, I think I'd be good with that. I do understand the whole... Uh, eye roll of the continuity thing, but uh, if you look at a lot of these teams that are doing well this season, a lot of them, uh, specifically the Utah Jazz, they stood pat, uh, got their players to really get back in the rhythm, get them off season. Now they're playing amazing. So I think that we need to be a little bit patient. I think I do like the John Collins trade because I do think he would be perfect in this system. He's like a Dwight Powell. Uh, you know, on a whole nother level. He's what they, he's um, what the Mavs but, think Dwight Powell is. Right, exactly. And uh, there's there's options there, but I do think we need to collect as many assets in the offseason and see what we can do in the trade market later when there's maybe better players available. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this offseason, if, if we haven't, if and everybody here knows this, it, Luca's contract extension is going to be hilarious. It, you know, I, there's I, I love trolls and and Mavs Moneyball article comments that are like, well, Luca might not sign his qualifying off. He, he might not sign that extension. I'm like, no NBA player has left two hundred million dollars on the table. Just hasn't happened. Um, so, it, but when this when this happens, they're going to be paying their their books are going to be kind of ugly. So. It, it's what makes the 2019 offseason failure stand out the further we get away from it. But this offseason, they, they're just going to have to use that space. If that means, like, yep. I don't know, paying Dougie Fresh McDermott, you know, all of like $14 million a year, then maybe that'll happen. It's, it's, it's kind of it's hard to say. I, I, I'm, I'm, the options will be, be interesting. As long as the Mavericks don't do the thing they've done the past several offseasons where it's clear they only have, like, three targets – because I'm not convinced that like Willie Cauley Stein or J or uh, um, what's wrong with me? Uh, back, yeah, well, Richardson's fine, but but who's the Ooh. other guy we brought in for the bubble? What, uh, not Jalen. Oh, Wilson. my, uh, my okay, brain Burke? is leaving me. Burke, Burke. Gosh, sorry, it's been a been a day. Uh, Man, I'm not Trey Burke has been awful. I'm just not convinced <laughs> Burke and Willie Cauley Stein would be in the league. Um, they were both not in the league before the bubble because they'd both been basically jettisoned by their teams. So it's, well, no, I mean, what Willie got signed is kind of a, you know, well, the, the Willie, downhill from the injuries. But Willie yeah, you, like, you know what I mean? He really had like 12, he was available for 21 games and had like 12 DMPs before the bubble. Yeah. You can go back and look. Like it's not. Hey, a, can, can we all agree on something too? I, no. I joined this. <laughs> I, I, I joined this kind of late, but after what we saw last night with Luca and KP out, and I, I get it. I get it. Cuban, you know, after what he said, he gives the company line. Oh, we want continuity, and we're unless it's a star, we're going to stay with what we got. But after what we saw last night, can we just all agree that that's a bunch of bull, and they're going to end up doing something? <laughs> Harrison Barnes yeah. coming back on, baby. Wouldn't that be something? I, you know, I, I hate I, it. I, I don't know if they do anything. 
I just don't. I mean, two weeks is a long time. And if the, if this stretch is bumpy, which it, I, you know, if they come out of it two and three, I'm going to be pretty excited to be quite honest with you. Uh, but that's a great question. I don't know. Well, and I mean, look, it's like last night. I don't think even, even if they are saying, well, we, you know, we're content with what we have and we just had to get healthy and COVID had the biggest play in, you know, us losing seven straight games or whatever it was. But, you know, last night I feel like it was kind of a, okay, let's, let's sit Luca and KP and uh, we held this team to 78 points last time. So, Maybe this is a good time we can like raise our guys' trade value to to get in the conversation, get in the get our foot in the door on a potential uh, big move. But it just it backfires. <laughs> well, also like the guys that that played fifty five minutes last night. I'm talking about the big five: uh, Bobby, Powell, Johnson, Burke, and oh god, uh, Willie. They they have no trade value. Like they're all expiring contracts, so that makes them valuable in their own sense. But the only guy who's extended is Burke and Powell, and like the, like those guys, they, their value cannot go up because like they they're so far down. I'm going, and I've, I've said this before. I'm going to have an aneurysm watching James Johnson <laughs> play basketball. I cannot take watching him play basketball anymore. Him and Trey Burke are so, so bad that, you know, after witnessing that last night and then, you know, Tyler Bay gets a DMP coach's decision and Josh Green got two minutes. I mean, come on, man. I mean, I'm still pissed off about uh, Rick's press conference after that game. Like, like, (laughs) I'm still fuming about it. That is just an unacceptable response from Rick on that. Yeah, when Tyler pro- Bay. Go ahead. What's that? Oh, how appropriate it was actually Tim Cato because you know Rick loves to have run-ins with Tim. I don't know, man. He just there was a better way of answering that, but you know, instead of, I guess he could have sugarcoated it a little bit more, but he came off with his true feelings, which is what is you know more frustrating than anything else. That's really how Rick Carlisle feels about it. Oh no, I didn't give any thought to playing the rookies, even though we're missing our top two guys and you know, this is basically a throwaway game. <laughs> More James Johnson, please. <laughs> so Dalton, before you before you got on, Kirk we were all talking about that and Kirk had a good point. He was like, I don't know if it's because Rick is just basically said like Rick is super stubborn about it, or if it's because there's something going on above Rick that Rick can't really control, like you know, if James Johnson gets – or if uh, Josh Green gets two minutes a game or whatever. Which, man, like, both, I, man, both I, of those, like, things are bad. They're, they're both bad, but I really just think it's Rick, to be honest. I mean, I think he's so set on his rotations. It's kind of like even when the rookies do get a little bit of burn, they're forced to play with Boban. Yeah, that's exactly, like that's four. exactly <laughs> what I said. I was like, bro, he played two minutes, and they were both next – all both minutes were next to – so, right, so like you, you can put Josh Green and Tyler Bay or Tyrell Terry. You can put them in the game with your normal guys. You can. It's okay to mix it up a little bit. They don't have to play with Boban just because they have Mavericks practice third team chemistry or something. So, so <laughs> I, I got a work email and I put you guys on mute and then forgot that I was hosting this room and that it, this wasn't a podcast. Um, because my phone went dark. So, so I've enjoyed listening to you guys talk about this. This is, it's very, it's very therapeutic, but more people need to be joining these. You know, we got about 25 people in the room right now. I was watching, uh, uh, Dalton and I's friend, Blue Wire Network guy, Sam Spendiari, who, who does, um, the Warriors one had 350 people in a room last night that I joined. Man, and that was, was insane. It was a party. It was, it was hilarious, but, um, so do we have, you know, we've been at this for just uh, just kind of over an hour. I think, you know, the the, the our group therapy sessions are, are probably for the best. The Mavericks will come out and play a, another late game, at least late for me, uh, against Denver tomorrow night. Um, before we get out of here, I just wanted to toss it to to the, the chat and see if anybody else has any more questions. Um, and please feel free to, you know, come up on stage and talk with us. So far, so good. All right. Well, this has been an enjoyable time. It's it's always better than I think it's going to be. Grant, what you got? 
Uh, go Mavs. And we're still we're still gonna get that sixty six percent win percentage. We just gotta get our guys playing. <laughs> I forgot yeah. that you said they were gonna win sixty six percent of their games. Yeah, we're going twenty five <laughs> and thirteen. But... Oh, that's a gross. That that's probably my favorite prediction. I love it. I love it. I went back. Before, that was before Rick literally said, "Oh, we're gonna rest these guys a lot more." Like, oh, you guys know what you hated about last night? Well, guess what? You're gonna see a lot more. <laughs> Guess what? Here's more. Well, as always, this has been a uh, a great time. This has been Kirk uh, from MavsMoneyBall.com. I've been joined by Brian, Jesse, uh, Grant, Dalton. We had a couple more dudes that were up here for a bit. So, but again, tell your friends. Let's do this again. I'll probably try to do it next Friday or maybe another time on the weekend. I I really should be working right now, but I decided to uh, to to kind of do both at the same time. Uh, and this will be going up as a podcast soon. So those of you who listen to MavsMoneyBall.com, feel free to download, but do not listen because you've already heard it here. All right, everybody have a great weekend. Go Mavs, and maybe we'll see you later on in the week.